Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. We've made it to a Friday, Friday, August 4th. Right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, it is the Extra Point. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Before we set the scene with the poll questions, we'll get into what is the breaking news of the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, It's been a kind of a wild morning with the expectation that there was a chance the Pac-12 could get saved with a meeting this morning uh, expected for the grants of rights to be signed. It was not signed. And here in the last 10 minutes or so, multiple different outlets reporting that the Big Ten is expected to offer Oregon and Washington in invitations to join their conference, making it 18 schools for starting in the 2024 year. I would have to then think that uh, ASU and Utah would be well on their way then to the Big 12 as a kind of spiraling effect here. U of A, U of A in, in, in U, uh, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. Okay, I, I, my apologies. Oh, yeah, I was going to just say I that. Colorado and the U of A are gone. They're they're all but gone. Right. Colorado official, uh, U of A, it looked like after yesterday's uh, meetings that that was going to be um, very shortly to be finalized. So that was kind of what took place uh, yesterday. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, We will get into a little bit more about that in today's show. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. 602-260-1060 is the number. Calls today taking place around 1030 and 1115. As I mentioned, it's a Friday, so that's a Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday. We'll get into the weekend specials and, of course, that $100 gift certificate available to you. But let's first get things going here with the the, the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question is it too soon to give up on the 2023 diamondbacks and right now yes continues to be out in front it's close voting though 53 percent of the vote no trailing at 47 percent and the updated gruesome numbers here seven and 19 over the last 26 games they are currently a, a season most now eight games behind in the loss column against the dodgers and there are two games behind the loss column in the in the National League wild card race. Those are both season highs. Uh, if anybody still thinks that they're going to challenge in the National League West, you need to kind of reassess your situation. And uh, the wild card's really the only chance that they have at this point. We'll answer that question around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote. KDOS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. The 2023 Vikings win total. Matthew Kohler of Purple Insider joined Bob in the 9 o'clock hour. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. As well as with the KDOS1060 app. A fantastic conversation with Matthew. So is it over 8.5 wins or under 8.5 wins for this Vikings team this year? 57. 7.1% of you are on the over, 42.9% of you are on the under. 
Yeah, 13 wins to an eight and a half total. They had 13 wins last year. Of course, they were 11 and zero in one score games, which was an NFL record. Uh, yeah, we've now done eight teams uh, previewed the last two weeks. By the way, next week we're going to kind of do like two a days. We're going to do the rest of the NFC next week uh, with eight more teams. But uh, the teams we've gone through the first two weeks, to me, I'm not saying they're the best. Uh, you know, I think the Vikings are the most intriguing team. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that has a word for me, a way for me to say maybe I'm more confused about the Vikings than the other team we've previewed so far. But uh, they are, they've got lots of uh, intriguing parts to me as far as it, pretty much on both sides of the ball in maybe all lines of the defense, in fact. So I'm, I'm curious. Curious is a good word for this Vikings team. I mean, naturally, yeah. you would think that there's a regression when you just win so many games by one score. Um, so that just kind of seems like the plausible thing. Plus, then, as you mentioned, with Matthew, and you went through extensively just the various different positions that have turnover, plus new defensive coordinator. Uh, so there's just a lot happening there uh, for this team. And I also think it's a bit intriguing as well. You know, how does a running back who has shown incredible flashes but has been the backup running back transition into being the workhorse running back number one? And that's what Alexander Mad- Madison is going to be doing. Yeah, and just you know, to use this and you know, put it in a fantasy perspective, I've actually drafted. I'm in a deep league, uh, so keep that in mind. But I've actually drafted Alexander Madison the last couple of years with just the anticipation that Dalvin Cook's going to get hurt at some point. Uh, it worked out really well for me a couple of years ago, not only as well last year, but I actually think, and I've watched them play a lot, and yeah, Cook was not as near, he really fell off last year with Matthew also kind of uh, said that too. But I thought this during last season, his level of play was, you know, slid enormously in my opinion. I actually thought Madison was a better runner and a better player last year when he was on the field than Cook was. We'll get into that uh, around 11.30, and you can cast your vote over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. I won't make you wait much longer. The weekend specials over at Von Hansen's Meats yeah. and Spirits. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one this week. They're located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Visit them at vonhansensmeats.net. Here we go, Bob. Certified Angus Beef Choice 10-ounce ribeye steak at $15.99 each. Prime boneless bacon-wrapped pork chops, your favorite. Uh, About 8 ounces in size, 2 for $12. An 8-ounce boneless breast chicken skewers butcher blend and rosemary garlic, 2 for $12 as well. A $100 gift certificate could be yours later on in the program. Let's get in. I believe we've hit the triple crown winner there. (laughs) Absolutely. Great stuff from Von Hansen's this weekend. Um, Diamondbacks, though. They fell one nothing to the Giants yesterday. They went one and three in this series. Corbin Carroll was moved to the leadoff role. Tommy Pham played in his first game in a Diamondbacks uniform as the DH, batting third. He had one walk and two two strikeouts uh, in his debut. Yeah, in uh, you know, ninth inning, one run game, more boneheaded, uh, just inexcusable base running. Christian Walker hits a ball with one out, nobody on. It's one zero. Uh, which he thought was a home run. They ended up hitting the wall and staying in play, and he got a single. Okay. Uh, next hitter, Goriel, got a hit, so it should have been runners on first and third. 
with one out. You don't know exactly how that's going to work out. The scenario of the Giants, I assume, would bring the infield in at that point with a one-run game. But you know that uh, any chance the Diamondbacks had to win the game ended when Walker did not run fast out of the box when he hit the ball. So when it comes, though, to the Diamondbacks here, we'll save their series against the Twins for a little bit later on. Uh, let's just go back to yesterday with pitchers with their new teams and how they fared. And we'll start with yeah. the Phillies with a 4-2 to two win over the Marlins. Uh, Michael Lorenzen went eight innings, six hits, two runs, one walk, five strikeouts, one home run, and 101 pitches in his debut with his new team. And they absolutely needed him to go eight innings and however many pitches it took uh, because their bullpen was destroyed and used and overused the first three games of this series, including when they blew the big lead on on Wednesday night. So the fact that he was this good, uh, considering the circumstances, was even more impressive. Yeah, they've got a nice rotation now. Uh, yeah, Lorenzen's like their third or fourth starter. Uh, that, that which is, that's the best role for him. If they can just figure out how to play some outfield defense, I actually think not only are they going to win a wild card spot, they are actually you know they made it the World Series last year, much to everybody's surprise. And I'm raising my hand, and I was wildly surprised last year. But I think you know if they figure out how to catch a fly ball. And that, that's in all three positions. Whoever's playing left, whoever, whoever whoever's playing center, and Castellanos is usually playing right field, and he's an adventure out there. But if they can just you know, catch the plays, you make the plays and catch fly balls that they should be catching, I actually think they're a better team right now than they were during the last season when they went to the World Series. Then we next up head on over to the Rangers as they beat the White Sox 5-3. to three. Max Scherzer, he had a brutal first inning, 37 pitches. He walked in a run, allowed three total runs. Then he settled in, six innings, seven hits, three runs, two walks, nine strikeouts on 105 pitches as the Rangers did get the win in his debut. He threw 37 of those 105 pitches in that first inning. Uh, after that, he was really good. Yeah, he battled his way. I mean, the White Sox certainly. Uh, I, you know, that first inning, there was he just had no location, and it was just a, uh, you know, unscherzer like because usually he doesn't just completely lose sight of the strike zone or where he wants to throw the ball in the strike zone. After that, no problem. But the White Sox, who you know, basically swing at everything, they have one of the worst. Uh, swing rates they're, they're, they swing out of the strike zone as much as anybody in baseball they might have, be actually the worst in, the, in baseball swinging at balls outside the strike zone uh, they just were up there hacking uh, and they should you know after you get you know Scherzer to pitch 37 pit throw 37 pitches in the first inning you, you need to make him work a little bit uh, he threw 37 pitches in the first inning and threw six in the second inning, and that's how I ended up getting the six innings because the White Sox were just up there hacking instead of, you know, doing what they should do and try to they try to make the pitcher work. But the White Sox are one of the lowest IQ teams in baseball on the field and off, and uh, that's what happened as far as the final results. So good for Scherzer, good for the Rangers. You know, Will Smith and Chapman pitched the last couple of innings and. When you get to that uh, situation with Chapman now, for the most part, pitching the eighth inning and Will Smith pitching the ninth, it's not quite game over, but it's pretty damn close to game over. 
The Orioles, a 6-1 win over the Blue Jays. Jack Flaherty in his debut with Baltimore, six innings, four hits, one run, two walks, eight strikeouts on 92 pitches. He was tremendous yesterday. Uh, First start, I mean, he goes from, I think we mentioned this yesterday uh, on the air. I know I've mentioned to a few people in the last 24 hours or 48 hours since the trade deadline. Uh, He's gone from... Yeah, just look at him in his career in St. Louis. He was throwing Yadier Molina forever. Great, you know, possibly the best receiving catcher, play uh, pitch caller, teammate of the history of the position at catcher. And he went to Wilson Contreras after Molina retired, and the and the Cardinals. And we said this the day after the Cardinals, yeah, actually acquired Contreras. This is just the the biggest mistake of all time. And it was. I mean, he he's a terrible catcher, and it, it's he went from Molina to Flaherty. Now he goes uh, to you know the, the you know, Adley Rushman, who is incredible. He is so good, and he's so smart for a guy that's been in the major leagues like less than a, you know two full seasons. So he goes from great to horrible to really good. And uh, I'm sure that that helped him a little bit yesterday. But, uh, you know, Flaherty dominated in his first start. The Orioles have just destroyed Toronto this year. Uh, they won all but one game against Toronto in Toronto. They're 8-2 and two against them on the season. And uh, the Toronto, on the other hand, they're terrible against the American League East. That's not good for them because the American League East is good. They're going to have to win some of these games at some point. So far, they are 8-23 against American League East opponents, and now they start a series starting tonight against the Red Sox, who they've also been terrible against this year. We'll put a pin in baseball talk for now, and we'll save uh, what's going on around Major League Baseball today, including the Braves getting their ace back, Max Freed, in a day game against the Cubs. We'll dive into that. Uh, What's the latest around Tampa Bay? And, of course, we'll get into the Diamondbacks and their three-game series in Minnesota at the Twins. And we'll take your calls today, 602-260-1060, around 10.30 and 11.15. And, of course, it is Friday Spread brought to you by Vaughn. On Hansen's Meats and Spirits with the weekend special certified Angus beef choice, 10 ounce ribeye steak, $15.99 each, prime boneless bacon wrapped pork chops, two for $12, eight ounce boneless breast chicken skewers, butcher's blend, and rosemary garlic, two for $12. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Plenty of more uh, sports talk coming up on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on this Friday, August 4th. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. Ten twenty-two here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, powered by Superbook Sports, Bob Cam, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Continuing our Major League Baseball conversation here on this Friday spread, brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Uh, the Braves, 
They got good news, and it looks like their ace, Max Freed, is back, and he's back today in the series against the Cubs. Max Freed, he missed about three months with a strained left forearm, his last start coming on May 5th. He was good, though, uh, when he, he was in the majors, 2-1, 2.08 ERA, 25 strikeouts, and he's going up against Kyle Hendricks today, 4-5, 3.49 ERA, 48 strikeouts. Yeah, have the Braves mathematically clinched the East yet? I'm just sort of kidding on that. you got two months to go, and they have like an 18-game lead or whatever the hell it is. Uh, their offense is obviously tremendous. The key to their season, though, long-term, is whether Freed and Kyle Wright can come back and be starting pitchers. It's unbelievable how good their pitching has been. Uh, without those two guys and others, for that matter, they've lost some bullpen people along the way, too. They've had guys come up that were in double-A and triple-A to begin the season to get key starts from them. They have, uh, at least uh, after the All-Star break, when the All-Star break, uh, you know, the second half of the season, quote-unquote, even it's not really the second half, but you get the idea. Uh, but since the, stuck, since the post-All-Star game schedule started, I know at that time they actually led the National League in bullpen or run average in spite of the fact that they've used like a billion guys in the bullpen, they've gone out and got a whole more, uh, whole bunch more arms for that bullpen in the last you know, 10 days before the trade deadline. So they're, they're set up to do really well. If Freed and Wright contribute anywhere near what they did last year, uh, the Braves are going to win the World Series. Uh, they will also have Bryce Elder and Charlie Morch- Morton pitching in this series. The Rays and the Tigers, uh, but the big news here is for the Rays, Shane McClanahan, he was placed on the 15-day injured list. Also, there was no official injury designation listed uh, when he was placed on that list, but it was after they returned back to Tampa Bay. They actually sent him home early from Tampa Bay. He left the game on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, against the Yankees. Forearm situation for a pitcher, that's scary. Um, you know, they've had lots of Tommy John situations in uh, the last couple of years. You know, Shane Boz, obviously Jeffrey Springs. And, uh, you know, they're, they have – Rasmussen's not getting officially Tommy John surgery. He's already had two of them. But he has – they're doing some kind of thing that's similar to that. So those are three other starters. So McClanahan's another. That's a four starter. So as great thing as, as great as things went for the Rays, really through July the first, their offense has gotten shockingly bad. Um, scored amongst the fewest runs, if not the fewest runs in baseball in the month of July. Their defense has also been not good lately, which was elite before. They're just kind of falling apart now, and. Uh, I don't even know if I can pick them to win a playoff series, let alone go deep into the postseason as currently constructed. Uh, the Mets and the Orioles. Well, the Mets were just swept by the Royals, and the Orioles have a two-game lead now on the Rays in the ALE. So, yikes. <laughs> yikes is correct. Uh, the Orioles have done a great job, and you meant, we mentioned the Flaherty thing. and Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to believe, but it's – Two years ago, they lost 110 games. Two seasons ago. Uh, then you also have the Astros and the Yankees, and it looks like Justin Verlander expected to make his return to the Astros in a start on Saturday. Correct. Uh, they're going kind of juggling things. They got Urquidy. 
coming back from the injury. He's been rehabbing for uh, doing the, He was on a rehab assignment for quite a while. So they're activating him apparently uh, for Sunday's game at New York. They're trying to figure out a way to, you know, Verlander hasn't pitched for like a week. So I thought he might actually pitch tonight, but uh, they moved him to tomorrow. We'll see how this goes. But they're adjusting their pitching staff. And uh, there was actually speculation they were going to go to six-man rotation before they got Verlander back. Uh, They might still do a six-man rotation, but I would assume Verlander and Framber Valdez would still pitch every fifth day and they'll just figure out how to work those other guys in. Uh, then you have the Marlins at the Rangers, and it looks like Jordan Montgomery will be going for the Rangers, 6-9, 3.42 ERA, 108 strikeouts. Yeah, I'm not sure what I think of Jordan Montgomery. We I mean, we had this discussion at this time last year after he got traded from uh, the Yankees to St. Louis, and he did fine there. Uh, but and the good thing for Montgomery is the Rangers play really good defense. But when I watch him pitch, maybe I just shouldn't watch him pitch. I just kind of wonder why is he getting people out? <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's 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 certainly got some skills. I haven't quite figured out how he's been successful, when he's been successful. Bottom line, I don't completely trust the guy. That could be completely my fault, and I'm just not, not assessing him correctly. Then let's move into the Dodgers. They are at the Padres here. Bobby Miller, 6-2, 4.37 ERA, 59 strikeouts, going to get up against you, Darvish, 8-7, 4.53 ERA, 117 strikeouts. The Padres are going to make a run. That's what I keep hearing. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, yeah, as expected, swept three-game series against Oakland. Uh, it's hard to tell. I don't think that they suddenly decided, hey, we're going to play better again because uh, they swept the A's. Yeah, the J.D. Martinez daily saga just continues to be, I think, comical. You know, just to quickly refresh people. Yeah, and uh, he missed some time last weekend. Came back, actually, last week, then came back and played a game or two and got hurt again. They said he had back and hamstring problems. He's not a young guy. They have a healthy lead now. They're going to make the playoffs. They said on, like, Thursday, um, uh, Wednesday night, and that he was going to have a workout on Thursday and might actually play in the game yesterday, which seemed to be you know, kind of a foolish idea. Well, it turns out he didn't even have the workout before the game and didn't play in the game. They didn't place him on the injured list, so who knows what's going on with that. Uh, as far as Darvish goes, uh, the, the Padres have had some really good pitching, but Darvish arguably has been – Maybe not statistically their worst starting pitcher, but I think he's certainly the most disappointing starting pitcher. And the fact that Musgrove is now down with an injury, I just don't understand this Padres love. They win like two or three in a row against Colorado. or They they win like two or three row, in a row against everybody. All the metrics people think, well, they've had such bad luck. They're a bad team. We've have played over 100 games now. What do you need to see? When it comes to the Diamondbacks, they're in Minnesota having a series against the Twins. Today, it's going to be Merrill Kelly, 9-5, 3.23 ERA, 109 strikeouts. Uh, Bailey Ober going for the Twins, 6-5, 3.19 ERA, 95 strikeouts. Bailey Ober's actually been a better pitcher this year than Merrill Kelly. It's nothing against Kelly. He's been good. Ober's been really good. And the Twins, they're a weird team. They are 18th in baseball on runs scored, which is better than I would have thought because 
They lead the world in strikeouts. They have 1,124 strikeouts for this season. No other team is within 50 strikeouts of that. That's how bad they've been. Uh, but their pitching has been unbelievably good. They've allowed the fourth fewest runs in baseball amongst the 30 MLB teams. So I guess we, uh, you know, most Twins games are low scoring. Totals are usually like six and a half. Uh, so we'll see how this goes this weekend against the Diamondbacks. And Diamondbacks lately haven't been able to score against anybody, whether it's good pitching or not. And Saturday, it'll be Ryan Nelson, Kenta Maeda, and Sunday, Zach Gallen and Pablo Lopez. Obviously, for Zach Gallen, want to try to see if he can uh, cut down on the home runs given up. That's true. The Twins do hit some home runs. I mean, they strike out, but they do hit some home runs. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. And I'm sure they'll lose like 3-2 to two and everybody will crap on Zach Gallon and blame him for losing the game, which he's kind of become the DeAndre Ayton of the Diamondbacks. Every game that they lose when he's on the floor for Ayton, when he's on the mound for the Diamondbacks, it's, uh, it's Zach Gallon's fault now if they lose. So that'll be what's taking place for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, of course, there uh, you can always watch dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that is most associated with your coverage. But for the team, they're now one and a half games back of that last wild card spot. Yeah, two games in a loss column. That's the long, the biggest deficit for the season for them. And they're, they're eight games in a loss column now behind the Dodgers. They're actually three games behind the Giants. Give it up, folks, as far as the National League goes. National League West goes. The only chance they have is a wild card. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll take your calls on the other side of the break. We also put a pin in this yesterday. We put a couple of pins in a couple of topics yesterday. So we'll get into uh, the Hall of Fame class that is going in this season as the Hall of Fame game took place yesterday. Bob, I know you were glued to the television set for the Browns' 21-16 win yesterday over the Jets. Somehow forgot to watch. <laughs> but we will focus more on who the 2023 Hall of Fame class is, 602-260-1060. Also, uh, looks like here the Big Ten will be soon making formal invitations to Oregon and Washington uh, for their um commitment to the Big Ten. They're going to have to rename this because they have 18 teams potentially here starting in 2024. That's all coming up here on The Extra Point. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Ten thirty-seven, right here on this Friday, August 4th edition of Extra Point. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The Hall of Fame game yesterday, the Browns topped the Jets 21 to 16. Let's just go quickly through. Yeah, exactly. It's over, Yahoo! right, Bob? Uh, Zach Wilson, he was 3 of 5, 65 yards. Tim Boyle, didn't know he was still in the league, 6 of 11, 61 <laughs> yards. Chris Strebler, 1 of 7 for 9 yards. Chris Strebler. 
Yeah. Who's he playing for? The oh, Jets. That's right. He's with the Jets. That's yep. right. He was with them last year. Yep. Oh, my God. Okay. Kellen Mond got the start for the Browns. 13 of 19, 92 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's the name that everyone was yeah. – uh, uh, really praising after yesterday's game. 8 of 11, 82 yards, and one touchdown. So there you go. When it comes. He's a small dude. He's, he's got a lot of talent. You know, Kellen Mond, I watched that dude play a million games for Texas AM. He was okay, but never once did I think he'd even ever be, in, like, even playing in the preseason game in the NFL. But here he is. Yeah, here he is. Uh, he got drafted by somebody. I forgot who drafted him. Didn't uh, the Vikings draft him? That sounds right. Um, all right, let's get into the 2023 Hall of Fame class. That's why this game was being played as part of the Hall of Fame weekend. Rondé Barber, cornerback safety, 1997 to 2012 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He never missed a game due to injury. So Mr. Uh, durable and also uh, pretty good there back there in the secondary. He was. Uh, and, yeah, I think the scheme really helped him a lot. Yeah, Tony Dungy, they went to you know, the, the cover two scheme, which obviously people copied for years. Some teams are still using it with less success, I think, than past years, but still. Uh, but that helped him some. But yeah, his versatility, he played a lot of, you know, quote, you know, linebacker type of, you know, he played, he wasn't just a defensive back. So I can make a case for him at least. Some of these guys I really think are, you know, it's just a too, you know, case of too many people in the Hall of Fame, but I can make a, I can make a case for him. Don Coriel, he's going in as a coach, 1973-1977 with the St. Louis Cardinals, 1978-1986 with the San Diego Chargers, and, uh, you know, everyone remembers Air Coriel. That's right. Uh, they were the most fun team to watch in the NFL with Dan Fouts and that receiving group, which included, you know, obviously – you know, Jefferson from ASU, and they were really good. They were very fun. Uh, I think he could, you know, baseball actually has like a, uh, I don't know if it's a wing of the Hall of Fame, but you know, they have like a contributor type of Hall of Fame. Yeah, there are still people that, uh, you know, credit Coriel to some of the modern NFL passing game that we watch now. Uh, way ahead of his time. And uh, you know they just you know threw it around, and they were. I never took them seriously to win a Super Bowl. Actually, quite frankly, they came close to go to the Super Bowl, but didn't quite get over the hump. But uh, you know they, they were fun, and uh, you know I, I, as a contributor to the game, I could see that he didn't win enough games to me uh, in big games as a coach to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if I do remember reading correctly, I think Dan Fouts is going to be up there talking on behalf of uh, Don Coriel for the enshrinement uh, purposes. Yes, and that guy can talk. <laughs> he used to do. You know, in fact, I don't. I don't know if he's doing college football anymore. I know he had a falling out with ESPN, ABC, whatever the conglomeration there is. I thought he was a tremendous college football commentator. He was the number one guy uh, for them in college football for a few years, and I thought he was outstanding. Chuck Howley, linebacker, 1958-1959 with the Bears, 1961-1973 with the Cowboys, only player to win MVP in the Super Bowl on the losing team. It was the worst Super Bowl ever played. So we, he's most known for being the MVP of the worst Super Bowl, you know, just 
you know, aesthetically trying to watch that game was just you know impossible. It was awful uh, when they beat the Colts. That was terrible. Uh, so they lost the game to the Colts, but it was really bad. He was okay. There's no way he should be in any Hall of Fame in the NFL. I mean, maybe the Cowboys Hall of Fame. I don't even know if he should be in the Cowboys Hall of Fame. He was good, but my God, this is absurd that he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Joe Klecko, defensive end, defensive tackle, nose tackle, 1977, excuse me, to 1987 with the Jets and 1988 with the Colts. Yeah, I don't get this one either. I know he was with the New York Sack Exchange and all that crap. Uh, you know, he wasn't even the best player. In it. Well, he probably was the best player because Gastineau got all the headlines. But, yeah, I, I don't you – know, I've never watched Klecko play and say, Hall of Famer, never once. Darrell Revis, cornerback, 2007 to 2012 with the Jets. That's where Revis Island came from. 2013 with the Bucks. 2014 won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. 2015, 2016 back with the Jets. 2017 with the Chiefs. Yeah, you can make a case for him for sure. Um, he was really good. Um, yeah, the longer he played, the worse he was. I mean, really, the worse he was. He declined big time uh and towards the end of his career but in his heyday he was tremendous so you can kind of make a case for him whenever i think of revis though i think of the jets hard knocks not the current one which starts next tuesday but the one that was with rex ryan the two things i think of in that hard knocks is that rex ryan broke the all-time record for you know most bleeps even though they don't really bleep it on the hbo but you know, you get the you know, the most foul words of anybody in a television series ever. At least in Hard Knocks, he was number one on the list. That's the first thing I think of. The second thing I think of during that uh, you know couple of weeks of Hard Knocks was he was negotiating his contract. He was holding out, and he actually signed his contract in some restaurant, uh, like a you know like a truck stop restaurant in New Jersey. That's where he actually finalized his contract. I just remember, you know, obviously it was a big coup for him to go to New England in 2014, helped them win a Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, he hated his time in New England. He didn't get along with the head coach. Can you imagine that? (laughs) The head coach probably wanted him to uh, bust his butt every single time he was on the field. Do your job. (laughs) But he he did his job when he played. But like I said, he was still okay there, but yeah, he had a couple stops after that, and he, you know, he, his skills eroded quickly. Yeah, by 2017 with the Chiefs, I even forgot that that stint existed. Uh, Me Ken- too, dude. You said it. <laughs> Ken Riley, cornerback, 1969 to 1983 with the Bengals, 65 career interceptions. That's tied for fifth all time. So he's had 40 years to get in the Hall of Fame, basically, and now they're going to put him in what it sounds like that's all i'm done with that that's you know, he was i grew up watching him play a little bit because uh the last year i lived in ohio was the bengals first season but um yeah that was uh he was good but my god i mean they're just you know grasping at straws at this point to find it yeah you know, they i guess is there like a quota they have to put in x number of guys per year Joe Thomas, offensive tackle, 2007 to 2017 with the Browns. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday, but it's still staggering to me. 10,363 consecutive snaps and not one snap came in the postseason. And none of those seem to be 
you know, really bad. I mean, he was elite. Of the people we've mentioned here, he is, I think, of this group, I think he's by far was the most dominant player in his position, and he was tremendous. Also, he's really good on TV. I wish you were on the NFL Network more often. Zach Thomas, linebacker, 1996 to 2007 with the Dolphins, 2008 with the Cowboys, 1,734 career tackles. Uh, when I think of Zach Thomas, I think of like kind of undersized and then just played bigger. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the history of the sport, which I said frequently while he was playing. Yeah, he had a thousand tackles or whatever it is because who else in that garbage defense that he played for in Miami was going to tackle anybody? Good for him. But how many of those tackles were actually impact tackles at the line of scrimmage that made a difference? Uh, so I, I, I never understood the fascination. I think the fascination was that there's, there's small guys out there busting his ass, which he did, but. He, and he made a whole bunch of tackles, as I mentioned. So he was mentioned on you know the TV a lot because Jack, Jack Thomas made the tackle. But how many real impact plays in important spots in games did he actually make? Finally, going in, Demarcus Ware, linebacker, defensive end, 2005 to 2013 with the Cowboys, 2014 to 2016 with the Broncos, and he was great in Denver's Super Bowl win over the Panthers. He was great, period. I mean, he and Joe Thomas, to me, in this group, uh, you know, Revis, uh, are the guys that are de- clearly deserving to be in. I actually think that, uh, you know, that, you know, he and, and, and Thomas are, you know, one and two on my list here uh, as far as the most deserving, but he was really good. I'm glad you brought up the Denver part there, too, because, yeah, he, he helped them win a lot of games in Dallas, and then he helped them win a championship in Denver. Absolutely, yeah. That was a, a huge key for, for the Broncos was getting DeMarcus Ware there. And yes, and I think they absolutely. did a great job of, you know, uh, using him wisely because he was toward the tail yep. end of his career, but he absolutely gave him everything he still had. And he made difference-making plays during that, that playoff run, too. I mean, he, he was really good. Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. The weekend specials for you. Certified Angus Beef Choice, 10-ounce ribeye steak, $15.99 each. Prime boneless bacon-wrapped pork chops, 8 ounces, 2 for $12. 8-ounce boneless breast chicken skewers, butcher's blend, and rosemary garlic, 2 for $12. Uh, we'll have that $100 gift certificates at some strategical point. On the other side of the break, we'll get into a a little bit about the the PGA Tour and uh, if we have some time also any more updates that we have in regards to the Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10, everything that has been transpiring. It is the Extra Point on this Friday, August 4th right here on KDUS AM 1060. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up hour number one.
one of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A look here at the PGA Tour. The Wyndham Championship is underway. Uh, The Wyndham Championship Whisperer. That's Russell Henley. He went out and he shot 62 yesterday, and uh, he followed it up with a 66 this morning. So he's sitting atop the leaderboard by two right now over Adam Svensson, Lucas Glover, and Byun-Hun on. Uh, they're at 10 under par. Then JT Poston, he's done for the day. He was right in the thick of things, actually. Bob, you like JT Poston because uh, he went for it. He, he went for the win right. last week. Uh, oh, that's which, right, my guy. Yeah, which cost him a, a couple hundred thousand dollars, but he was playing to win. So, JT Boston back at it. He's in fifth place as it is right now. When it comes to those names that we were monitoring, uh, big names on the outside looking in of the FedEx Cup playoffs, Justin Thomas, he shot even par yesterday. He's so far even through three holes today, and that's currently uh, on the outside of the cut looking in, uh, which also would be on the outside of the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs looking in as well. So Justin Thomas still with plenty of holes left to go to try to turn things around and make the make the weekend and give himself a chance at the FedEx Cup. But uh, Matt and Phoenix had asked me earlier on in the week about what I thought about Justin Thomas and and the Ryder Cup looking ahead to September. And I think missing the cut last week and if he were to go on to miss the cut this week, I think that that should be. Um, a disqualifier from a captain's pick because I think that that really, really starts to cement that you're in a pretty bad place uh, with your game. And uh, there's some other people that are a little bit more deserving at this point with the opportunity to represent your country. I I do, I do get the notion though, that sometimes that kind of team event uh, can really change a player's mindset, though. It could be the exact thing that he needs to get himself out of whatever funk he's in because now you're kind of playing for for another person, your teammate, you're playing for your country, you're playing for this Ryder Cup. It's a little bit different of a mindset than it is when you're just kind of in this grind and you're just kind of struggling and you can't get out of your own way, it seems like. But uh, I don't know that his game is matching up where it needs to be talent is a hundred percent there but if he doesn't find a way to put himself into the weekend i i think that 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 the the united states should look somewhere else uh which is kind of crazy to think when we were heading into this year just about the talent and the expectations of justin thomas this season other players that are on the outside looking in of the fedex cup shane lowry he shot two under yesterday he's currently one under par through four that's good enough for three under and a tie for 26 as it is right now um um, he needs to improve, though, uh, because the projected standings for the FedEx Cup, he's starting 76th. He would only drop down one spot to 75th, and that would be on the outside looking in. As for Adam Scott, he was another one on the outside looking in. Um, he is one under par, six under par for the tournament right now. He started 81st in the FedEx Cup standings and he would be right there on the number if things ended as it were today at 70. So he would be in if things ended as they are right now. So we'll continue to monitor all of that. One other thing that I thought was interesting from the week that I hadn't yet mentioned regarding the PGA Tour, plenty of confusion, 
dissension, uh, et cetera, when it came to the announcement earlier this summer about the PGA Tour, Liv, Piff, all kind of joining together. What does the future of golf hold? Uh, There was a group of 41 PGA Tour members that had written a letter uh, to the PGA Tour expressing their extreme displeasure with not having any sort of involvement in say and uh, being completely blindsided by uh, this news and announcement that came out earlier in the summer. So with all of that, they want some changes, they want some accountability, and they want a voice. Uh, The PGA Tour policy will, the PGA Tour policy board has been promised that particular voice and vote. In addition to that, one other member has been added to the player director's role, and that is none other than Tiger Woods. So when you have arguably the uh, most influential golfer of the last 20 years being a part of this player policy board, player director board, I think one that speaks to where he thinks golf is at, that it's at a very critical juncture, wants to lend lend his voice in something that maybe we haven't really seen him do in the past when it comes to various different things. So uh, good for him for joining that player director policy board. Also, we may have already seen a bit of an influence from Tiger Woods so far because when we were thinking about the changes that were being made to the PGA Tour this upcoming year for the 2024 season, they were changing the designated events to, I think, the terminology is now signature events, but it was going to be limited fields and no cuts. Well... The Genesis Invitational, which happens to be hosted by Tiger Woods, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and the Memorial, which happens to be hosted by Jack Nicholas, are now all slated to be events that have a cut. I think that's something that's important to those particular players and just kind of the attitude that is around professional golf, 72 holes, a cut after 36, the best players move on and compete for the top dollar. We'll get into the Arizona Cardinals, the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, and much more in hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060.